if you want to grab your Bible, open it up to the Gospel of Mark. And beginning in verse 3, I want to read down to uh, verse 11, Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him in to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head, and then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I don't know if you want to invite Jesus to a gathering at your house. Because wherever Jesus is, people will mess things up to get the sick and the needy in front of him. Glory to God. Wouldn't it be worth it? Wouldn't it be worth it? Praise God. So the Bible says they lowered the man through the roof on the mat right in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you, Jesus said, that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Pick up your mat and go home. <laughs> Pick up your mat and go home. Praise God. And the man jumped up and he was healed. Well, when the four friends of the paralyzed man had made great effort to Get the man in front of Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. This account in the scriptures reveals that it is the true job of faith, the actual job of faith, to get the needy into the presence of Jesus. That's the job of faith. Get needs broken bodies, broken lives, need for deliverance. Get those needs in front of Jesus. That's the job of faith. The job of faith isn't to believe things. The job of faith is an act. Put that need in front of Jesus. Jesus didn't see four men struggling to believe in healing. I want you to just visualize that in your mind for a moment. Four men weren't standing outside uh, rubbing their hands together, nervously praying, hoping they had enough faith to believe God for their friend's healing. What Jesus saw was four men believing in his presence. They left the healing up to him. Four men believing in the presence of Jesus and what that presence does, and then they labored to get him there, to get him into that presence. So let me say to you this morning, there's a difference between beliefs and faith. Beliefs are facts about God, but faith is contact with God. I want you to think about that for a moment. You can believe true things about God without coming to Him. 
Jesus turned to the Pharisees one day. He said, look to the scriptures. He said, look at those scriptures that you guys quote, that you guys teach, that you guys believe in. Look at them. He said, because in them you think you have life, but you won't come to me so that you might have life. You see, beliefs are facts about God. And the devil believes facts about God. Unbelievers believe facts about God. What separates an unbeliever from a believer is that the believer comes to Jesus. The scripture says in that account in Luke's gospel, chapter 5, when the four friends of the man brought him in through the roof, the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Everyone say present. present. And think about that word for a moment. Wherever Jesus is, healing is. Healing was a product of Jesus' presence. Faith, faith comes to the presence of Jesus. And wherever Jesus is, healing is, and along with healing, the power to destroy all the works of the devil. Wherever Jesus was, no work of the devil could remain. Whether it was sickness, disease, even dead bodies, when they brought those needs, or let me say it like this, when faith brought those needs to Jesus, those needs could not abide in his presence. Jesus saw all those as works of the devil. He saw the disease. He saw the sicknesses. He saw the oppressions. He saw all of them as the result of a fallen race and the job Satan had done on humanity. And so whenever faith, in his presence, came before him, he dispatched Satan's work, sent them away, broke them. As the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, for this reason, the Son of God, Jesus, was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And it's important for you this morning, if you're going to understand faith, to understand that faith has to do with the presence of God, not just believing truths about God. Because the presence of God is what destroys the works of the devil. God wants to heal. He wants to deliver. He wants to raise the dead. It glorifies him to undo the work that sin has done. Somebody say, praise the Lord if you're beginning to see where I'm going with this. True faith brings needs where Jesus is. Healing, deliverance, and miracles they are manifestations of God's presence, not products of our believing. I know that you can take from some of the accounts of the scripture the thought that we produce healing with our faith when Jesus said things like, your faith has made you whole. But what he was intending to say is, the faith that brought you to me, the faith that, that told you that if you touch the hem of my garment, my presence is residing and deliverance from all the works of the enemy is here in my presence because Jesus was in his earthly ministry the fullness of God in bodily form. There was no ounce, no part of heaven's authority and heaven's power that was left outside of Jesus. He Toned it down, if you will, in that he didn't 
expect and call for all that glory. But all of the authority and all the power was there in him. And Jesus has never been separated from the glory of his power or his authority. So healing, deliverance, and miracles are manifestations of God's presence. They're not something that we produce through our believing. Let me say this to you. I'd like to share a couple of statements just to provoke. I like making occasionally provocative statements as long as they're not uh, agitating, as long as they don't hinder, but they're meant to provoke you into faith and provoke you into believing God and acting on that faith. So faith is more concerned with proximity than it is, than, than it is with theology. Beliefs are about theology, but faith is about proximity. Faith always is attracted to the presence of God. When you let faith loose, it goes directly to the presence of Jesus. Always. Because it came from Him. It is the faith, Paul said, that I received from Him. I am crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul said, the faith in me is a gift from God. The faith in you is a gift from God. That faith is attracted to the presence of Jesus. If you let it loose in your life, it'll go straight to Jesus. If you follow, it'll take you there. Hallelujah. That's what faith does. It just automatically accepts God loves me. Jesus is my home. There's a place where I am welcomed. There's a place where the love of God is waiting to wrap its arms around me and turn my mourning into dancing. Glory to God. Beliefs will get you to the correct information about God, but faith will get you to his presence. What you believe, what you believe, no matter how true it is, 1 Peter 2.24, Psalm 103, uh, any of the healing scriptures, the promises of God, true as they are. What you believe won't heal the sick, won't raise the dead, or move mountains. But faith will always put you in front of Jesus and into the hands of the healer. Because Jesus is the one who moves mountains. And Jesus is the one who heals the sick and raises the dead. When people wrestle with the promises of God apart from coming to Jesus, those prayers are never answered. The only time we're healed, the only time we're delivered is when we let faith bring us to the presence of Jesus. That's why the presence of God is so absolutely critical to our lives. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, sent the believers to the upper room, said, don't do anything until you are baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus never foresaw a church that operated outside of his presence. Everything he said and everything he promised, he intended to fulfill all of it. He intended to release throughout the world men and women, young people, boys and girls, who lived in the presence of him and would go out and bring their friends back into his presence and people would be healed. That's the true 
nature of the first century church. In the book of Acts, those first several chapters, it is the story of the presence of God. That's why you see faith flowing. It's because of the presence of God. The Gospels reveal Jesus as God who wants to heal you. Let me say that to you again. And let me just declare it to you. The Gospels reveal Jesus who wants to heal you. How do I know that? Because the Gospels tell me. Every single testimony from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell me that when faith brought anybody, Jewish, Gentile, sinner, not so much a sinner, I don't think there were any that weren't sinners. Whenever faith brought them to the presence of Jesus, they were healed. They were delivered. The Bible says they came to him in multitudes and he healed all of them. Now, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, one of my favorites says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So why is he healing people? Because that's what God does. When, when, when Satan's work, Satan's oppression in your life is put in under the hand of God, you can stay, but the oppression goes. It's, it's really quite simple, isn't it? And you can see that and find the verses, but you and I in our own life still have to make the journey with faith. Our faith must take us to his presence. Pray until you're in the presence. Then the healing will happen. Amen. Then the miracles will happen. You see, when our beliefs pray, we struggle to outrun all the theological disqualifiers that talk to us about our sin, our unworthiness, our imperfections, our, our wrong way of believing, our wrong ideas, etc., etc., ad nauseum. So, <clears throat> you, you know what that's like. Uh, we've done more praying through our beliefs than we have praying in faith. When my beliefs pray, what it does to me is that it immediately stands me up in the midst of all the scriptures. And there's all sorts of things in there that point out to me my disqualifiers. And so here I am trying to believe God and I can't move from where I'm at. I can't move forward to Him because I'm, I'm operating in my beliefs, not in faith. Faith will allow me, it'll pick me up, it'll carry me into the very presence of Jesus where He can sort all that stuff out in my life. Can you say amen? So when beliefs pray, I struggle to outrun the theological disqualifiers. But when my faith prays, hallelujah, when my faith prays, faith, my faith, the faith God gave me, that faith came with a brain. That came with a heart. That faith is not stupid. That faith came with the mind of Christ. And my faith knows that God loves me. And that faith will always connect me with him. 
Whenever I move from believing into faith, I feel his warm embrace. I'm filled with his presence. I know that he's there. And faith connects with the presence of God. Faith concerns itself with one simple task. Get me in front of Jesus. Get me in front of Jesus. If I don't believe he's there, then faith has nowhere to go. When I get down on my knees and begin to pray, if I don't believe that he will show up in my prayer closet, his presence I'm talking about, I know that my beliefs tell me that God is omnipresent. But if you only pray based on your beliefs, you'll ever only experience the omnipresence of God instead of the capital P, presence of God. You see, the manifestations of God are waiting for children to come into his presence so they can take place. I can pray convinced in my beliefs that God is omnipresent. And I can let some preacher talk me out of miracles, signs, and wonders. I could sit in a church, and many Christians have thousands of them, for years and years and be conditioned all my life to just simply look at the Bible as a paper pope. And just sit there and try to extract out of the word the actual miracles, the actual comfort, the actual uh, um, um, change in my life that needs more than just thought. It needs a demonstration of power. There are some things in our life we can dispel with just right thinking, and that's wonderful. But there's other things that positive thinking, right thinking, correct thinking is not going to do it. Correct thinking can strengthen you. Correct thinking can help to guide you so that you do what's right instead of doing what's wrong. But correct thinking can't heal you when you've got cancer. Correct thinking cannot straighten you up when some condition in your body has bent you over. Correct thinking cannot deliver you when it's not just PTSD or depression that you're trying to come back from, that you're trying to recover from, but there's actually a demon, a spirit of, of uh, mental illness. There is a spirit of heaviness, the Bible calls it, that has somehow come upon your life and scrambled your thinking, and you can't pull your head out of that cloud to think straight. You can have somebody talk to you and give you the correct thoughts all day long, and it's like it'll just bounce right off of you. You can believe it when you hear it. It'll bounce right off of you. You need power. You need a demonstration of power to get that spirit out of you. And that power, that miracle, that healing, does not come through believing in it. It comes by doing what those four men did. Get that boy in front of Jesus. Faith, that's the difference between faith 
and beliefs. Glory to God. Faith will always receive forgiveness from God. Faith concerns itself with that one simple task. Get me in front of Jesus. Because faith knows that when people come to Jesus, when they came to him in the Gospels, that he doesn't triage them according to their worthiness. You don't ever see Jesus sorting them out. You know, you really haven't been in synagogue much lately. You've been out running around with the, uh, with the uh, pub publicans and drinking beer. I'm not saying anything for or against any of those things. I'm just simply saying that these were real people. They were not two-dimensional stick figures. They were not little, little paper uh, 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 literary figures that were just drawn by an author. These were real lives. They were people like you and I. They had very complex lives. Not every day was the same in their lives. Sometimes they were up, sometimes they were down. Sometimes they did the right thing. A lot of times they did the wrong thing. They're just like us. And they all came to Jesus. He said he healed them all. He didn't triage them and say, come back in a week, go work on this. Or when you've got that worked out, come back. I can't heal you right now. Why did he heal them? Because the presence of God was with him. Not because they were there, but because he was there. Devils left because he was there. They were healed because the healer was there. Hallelujah. These were people that saw in Jesus the headquarters of heaven. They knew that Jesus was the bodily headquarter of heavens. They, they couldn't give you a theological explanation of what that was, but they believed it. They believed in what the Bible calls the presence of God. And they believed that when they got to Jesus, that they would be forgiven. The very act of coming to them coming to Jesus was an act of humbling themselves. It was an act of, of humility, an act of saying, Lord, I'm humbly coming to you. When the man was lowered into the living room after they opened up the roof and let him down, what did Jesus say? The first thing out of his mouth was, son, your sins are forgiven. He knew, Jesus knew the man had come for healing, but he knew that it took humility to come and in that moment Jesus just offered I forgive your sins and the Pharisees did what they did what a lot of us do they got ticked off I didn't hear a proper repentance I, I didn't hear a sinner's prayer out of him who does he think he is forgiving sins he's Jesus and if he wants to forgive your sins they're forgiven Jesus saw a heart that was tilted towards him Leaning towards him. See, a lot of people, their heart is leaning towards the Lord, but we don't see their lives cleaned up, and we push them away. Or we say things or do things. God's trying to get them into his presence. And if you walked in faith, you'd help them there. You'd be like one of those four guys. You would pick them up and say, I know where the presence of God is, and you'd bring them. You'd let their encounter with Jesus take care of the issues that were between them and God. Are you listening to me this morning? Seeing their faith, he said, your sins, my son, are forgiven. You see, faith receives forgiveness 
for all your disqualifiers because faith works by love. Isn't that what Galatians says? It's not keeping the, re the religious order of circumcision or not keeping it, Paul writes to the Gentiles, but it is faith that works through love. That's what matters. That's what your connection with God is going to, to bring about. Faith will bring that about. Glory to God. It, John later in 1 John chapter 4 said, We have come to know and believe the agape, the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. That word abides literally in, is the Greek word that is interpreted to stay in a given place or state or relationship of expectancy. That's what abiding is. Faith needs to become a constant habit in our life. We need to come to Jesus and, and learn to not live separated from his presence, going in and out. You know what I'm talking about. You know, when you're trying to, to believe God's word while you're asking him for a favor, maybe think about the last time you came to the Lord, maybe for somebody else, and you were praying for their healing. Um, how many of you, and I, my hand's up first, how many of you get prayer requests and you quickly shuttle that prayer request off to the Father in Jesus' name, get it out before the Lord based on your belief without any sense of whether the presence of God has actually been contacted. That's why sometimes when I, I get people, pray for me, pray for me, I realize that's almost like a greeting or a salutation. Pray for me, yeah, pray for me. Yep, praying for you. Yep, praying for you too. We, 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 we say those things like we're coming and going. But if somebody says, I'm dying, pray for me, you know they really want you to. They need the presence of God. And if we're going to pray for them, if faith's not going to pray, what's, what's the use? If you're just going to pray some verse of Scripture, what good is that if you're not prepared to bring them into the presence of God? Don't pray unless you're going to take them to Jesus. So when you're trying to believe God's word while you're asking him for a favor, it can be intimidating. It can be exhausting because you become entangled in all the conditions and commands and you can't sort them out. This is what it's like when, when Christians, figuratively speaking, visualize and get down on their knees and they pray and they're praying for, for a healing, for a deliverance, for yourself or for someone else. And they come before God and they are, the first place our mind goes, do I have any legal standing? to ask what I'm asking for. Because you can't ask God if you, if you honestly in your heart don't believe you've got legal standing before God. You're not going to bring a, a, a solid uh, request before the Lord. So what happens, we get, it, we get tangled up. Now you're going to, I'm opening myself up to incredible criticism by saying what I'm about to say. 
but people that know me should know better. So I'm going to preface it by that, and I'm going to say this. When we pray just simply in our beliefs, we get all tangled up in the commands and the conditions that the Bible lays out. We get all tangled up in them, and what I mean by that is they start talking to us. I haven't done that. I'm not in that place. I've fallen short in this area. The word, the Bible says, kills. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. Does that mean there's anything wrong with the word? Absolutely not. Does that mean that it's not true? Absolutely not. But it is the nature of humans to impale themselves in the barbed wire of the commands of the Bible. That's why you go to Jesus. Why? Because he bypasses the word? No, because he is the word. You go to Jesus because the full authority of every promise and every command and every judgment of Scripture is bodily formed in the person of God who has a brain and a heart and puts it all together in the order of his purpose. So Jesus is the only one who can sort this out. And faith is the only way to get to the place where he sorts it out. That's why people who pray in faith, who've been saved 10 minutes, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, they, they receive miracles because they, they, they don't know a lot. But the one thing they do know is the presence of God is here. If I put my need in the, before the Lord's presence, I'll be, and they get it. I mean, the Lord heals them. He delivers them. It's those that have been saved a few decades or more who have spent a lot of time tangled up. Not that there's anything wrong with the Word. The Word helps to guide my faith and tell me what I have authorization for. But I better go beyond this and to the presence where the Holy Spirit answers and the Holy Spirit that's why in, in 1 Corinthians 12, um, Paul said the manifestation of the Spirit. He didn't say the manifestation of the Bible. He said the manifestation of the Spirit. Some preachers, now I, let me just go on record. I am absolute, 100% solid on the inerrancy of Scripture. I absolutely believe this is the inspired Word of God and it is in its totality. God hasn't revealed everything, but what he is revealed, this is what he wants revealed. And there's enough here to give the Holy Spirit room to work through the lens of the scripture in our lives. But let me tell you this morning that God is able to do all things above and beyond what we think or ask according to the power at work with us. What is that power? It is faith anointed by the Holy Spirit bringing us into his presence. You see, we get tangled up when it's just our beliefs praying. 
in those conditions, in those commands. But when, that's when beliefs pray. But when faith approaches Jesus, when you're in faith and you approach Jesus, you're not filing your paperwork with a celestial clerk. You're not, you're not putting in an application and hoping you get the loan. That is, that is, the, that is what I think 90% of Christian praying is filing paperwork with a with heavenly clerk. God's got his visor on. He, he is like, a, what do they call the guys keep ledgers? Accountant. He's got, the, he's got the debits and the credit column. And you know, see, before you even start praying, you've got a lot of red ink on your ledger sheet. It's a lot of red ink on there. But see, Jesus has some red ink too. It's called the blood of Jesus. And that blood just wash over all that red ink that you think should keep you from boldly coming to the throne of grace. So, Jesus is the word of God as a person with a mind and a heart. He's the one who spoke that word from the beginning. He is the word personified and made flesh. And let me say this to you, that Jesus put us in the hands of the Holy Spirit because that's who Jesus was. He was the Holy Spirit, tabernacled in flesh. You say, wait a minute, I think you're messing with the Trinity here. I wish, yeah, wouldn't that be great if I were strong enough to mess with the Trinity? I'd be something. So, let me just simply say to you, when Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, who does the scripture blame for that? Thank you. Holy Spirit. Somebody say it. Holy Spirit. What did the angel say? Did the angel lie? What did the angel say? That which is in you was begotten. What? Begotten of the Father, the Bible specifically says the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, when he's at the Last Supper, he's been with his disciples a little over three years, and he says, I am eager. Can you believe he's facing the cross? I am eager. He said, it's necessary that I go because if I go, then I can come back in a form that will not be limited to you having to rip the roof off of a house. I will be inside of you. If they could drag the paralyzed man to the roof of the house, tear it open, and let him down, surely you could get on your face and make the journey from here to here in your heart and, and come to the presence, the presence of Jesus. Can you say amen? Well, I've... I've Got some more to say, but I've kind of run out of time to say it. So let me do this. Um, beliefs are locations, like places on a map. But faith is the act of going there. Kathy and I need a vacation. I'm not going to lie. We need a vacation. And getting a map out, taking the globe and spinning it, 
Getting the pictures out on the map look, isn't going to do it. Just saying. We're actually going to have to go to those mountains or go to that place. Or You understand? So beliefs are locations on the map. Faith is going there. And since faith is an act, and, and this is kind of my summation. I want to wrap this up with, with this example. Since faith is an act, the reason why most people pray, and they think they're praying in faith, but they're actually just struggling with their beliefs, right? And there's, there may be nothing wrong with what they believe, but they don't have confidence to come into his presence. They don't know about that. So um, why, when people pray, would they still be struggling instead of actually moving and operating into the presence of God? It's because faith is an act, and every act takes practice. It's like a muscle. It's just like a muscle. You work it, and it'll be ready when you need it. Um, and so the disciples came to Jesus. I don't have the time to read it, but it is a fabulous piece of scripture in the 17th chapter of Luke from verse 5 to 10. The apostles come to Jesus and they said, Lord, increase our faith. We can see by what you're saying, we need more faith. And Jesus gave them a parable that basically explained faith like a servant. He said, if your servant's out in the field doing his chores and then he comes in at the end of the day, do you say to him, come on, here, you know, take a little bath and change clothes and sit down and, and let me feed you and, and let's have dinner together. He says, no, that's your servant. You tell him, get in that kitchen and put something together for me and then put your apron on and serve it to me because that's your servant. Now, because of our culture and society, we bristle a little bit at that. So I'm not going to apologize for it. That was Jesus' analogy. We're just going to leave it as it is. But I can tell you what he meant. He was saying, if you want your faith to increase, use it to serve me. Don't just use it for your daily chores or the requirements of your minimal requirements of your daily life. He said, if you use your faith for simply what is required as a Christian, then you are an unprofitable servant. You've only done what is expected. He said, if you want faith to increase, Go beyond what is required and serve me. Well, Jesus' food, Jesus doesn't need you to feed him food. So what is Jesus want? Well, he said at the well of Samaria, as he sat there, and the disciples said, did anyone feed him? Jesus said, my food, I don't need chicken, uh, chicken or, or a whopper. Uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. What was that will? how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good, healing all that were pressed to death. Jesus was fed by casting demons out. Jesus was fed by healing the sick. Jesus was fed by raising the dead. Every time power flowed out from him, he didn't get hungry. He got stronger. Are you listening to me? Every time the power of God was drawn out of him because somebody came to him in faith, he was encouraged. He wasn't emptied. He said, that's my food. That is what I love. So take your faith and do that. Make that happen. Bring me people that I can heal. Bring me people that I can save. Bring me people I can deliver. 
Stop walking past all these people in your life and leaving them in Satan's chains. Stop walking past them without the courage to stop one day and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Stop going through life every day and using your faith just for yourself. Do my work with your faith and then it'll increase. Do you want more faith? That's what you do. Go find the sick and bring them to my presence and your faith will increase. All right, so that's pretty much it. Jesus, seeing their faith, said, your sins are forgiven, rise and walk. I want Jesus to see your faith because you are coming into his presence and bringing those needs, right? All right, stand with me this morning.